Welcome to Day Zero Update for February 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brian Perkins. And I'm Dan Victoria. And yeah, Brandon's been beset by the dreaded COVID. Uh, still recovering, but uh, so just in case you're wondering why he sounds like he's uh, been smoking for 20 years. Uh, the Korean from Overwatch. Yeah, Pretty he's, much, yeah. He's recovering. Uh, it's high noon. Yeah. So yeah, just in case you're wondering why uh, there's somebody that sounds like they're from the from Texas here, uh, you know, that's what it what's been yeah. going on. Uh, uh, we'll yeah. see how we'll see what happens on Friday as far as how things have progressed. Oh, I should be good for Friday, and I'm pretty sure. I hope that my voice will be back to normal. But if not, well, I can just run with it. Yeah, you can start uh, working on the Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we got uh, a bunch of news this week. Uh, oh, yeah. We have a lot of bad news we put up front here because there's a lot of it. A lot of oh, bad yeah. stuff happening to various games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll have some good news, a lot of Sony news. They decided this week to unleash uh, as much news as they could. Mm-hmm. I think there's literally like eight things here from them. Yeah. Uh, mostly good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got the the Pokemon presents to show us what the next wave of Pokemon games is. And of course, there's uh, the one big one that everybody's talking about. Yeah, we'll let you know what's going on there. But uh, for the time being, we'll be talking about what we've been playing. I will start here. Uh, I've been playing more Cyber Shadow. I've gotten to the point where I get the the big upgrades, mm-hmm. uh, which is where they basically say, uh, you know, all those abilities you've had up to now. Uh, let's yeah. Make them twice as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a double jump. Uh, you can charge your other attacks, which is a little bit unintuitive for some of them. Mm. Uh, I think especially for like the diving one, where I kind of wish they had found like a better way of initiating some of that stuff, because mm-hmm. it's not the most uh, amazing feeling upgrades for that stuff. So I end up. Just doing the basic ones most of the time, yeah. uh, which isn't too bad. But when you do that double jump uh, in the the charge basic attack, uh, that's pretty good uh, upgrade for you. Mm-hmm. So that's been good. Uh, let's see. I got a bunch of games from the uh, the indie sales going on on PlayStation right now, which has mm-hmm. uh, a shit ton of stuff on sale. A lot of good prices there. Uh, I started playing Omen Sight. Which is the follow-up to the, uh, I think it's, I think it's stories, path yeah. of destinies, something like that. Mm-hmm. Stories, the path of destinies. Uh, it's the follow-up from that kind of, uh, from that game, from that studio. Uh, mm-hmm. And this time around, you're playing in a, uh, a war-torn world of uh, these, basically these two nations. Uh, that brings upon the, I forget what they call the, it's like a big worm dragon, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like the Nidhog, but it's their own name that, uh, yeah. comes out and destroys the world, finishes it off mm-hmm. after some bad shit's been going on and you get, you're playing the Harbinger and sort of trying to figure out what's going on. How's this been caused? And if there's a way to save, uh, the world. And so. Uh, you go through the initial 
bits and then you get to talk to this witch that uh, is able to help you out. And as you pick up these souls, they are sort of characters you can kind of follow their stories, learn more about them, uh, their roles in all this conflict and all that. Uh, that is uh, a lot of fun. The combat's kind of the same as uh, stories or mm-hmm. yeah, stories. Uh, so it's kind of Batman-ish. Uh, it's basically just two attacks, uh, you know, a normal and a, a strong attack. Uh, you got to dodge and you'll get like a heads up as enemies are about to hit you to dodge uh, out of the way. And you get some, and as you play, you get XP that once you get back to the, uh, your like base, your home base, uh, you get to upgrade, which gives you new abilities. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. get these this currency called Amber that uh, lets you buy upgrades to that stuff and your health and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Definitely recommend it for people that are into uh, story-heavy games, action games, uh, and stuff that has kind of a unique hook to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like there's less of the, the choose-your-own-adventure aspect of it that stories had. Mm-hmm. You're kind of trying to fill out this grid of uh, endings and such uh, that you could get through it. Uh, so this one just kind of focuses on you pick a character, you play with them, uh, and you get some... And there's like stuff in each of the stages that you can sort of... Uh, when you go back to it, you have uh, ways to open up extra rooms. Maybe branching mm-hmm. paths, I don't know. But for now, it's just been extra rooms of uh, more of the amber or whatever else is in there. Uh, so that's been fun. Uh, I decided to get Jetpack Tour because it's like 99 cents for the PS4 version. And uh, that game's still a lot of fun as a runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simple, uh, but you know, working through the, the challenges to upgrade your, uh, your like level, then unlocking more upgrades and abilities and such is still pretty fun. Though it was weird that I found one item that was like the... So when you're playing Jetpack Jorah, like your base outfit is Barry has a suit on right. that has its uh, sleeves ripped off. And right. it's, it just makes you watch this whole video to get a version of that suit without the arms ripped off. As like him constantly getting his suit fixed uh, with new sleeves and constantly ripping it off and having to fight this. It was a really weird video uh, that they make you watch. It was really, I was not expecting that. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's a fun game for a runner. Uh, also picked up the Evil Lands, I think Legendary Edition. It has the the two games. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly played the first one uh, again, which is kind of fun playing it, having gone through it a few times. Because I still remember mm-hmm. things that I'm supposed to be doing and uh, the way it evolves, uh, but I forget just enough that I occasionally like screw myself around with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm like, oh, I need this upgrade but where is it uh it's like oh this this one shows up you know like i'm waiting to get the bomb i have to play through the two dungeons i think to get to it and uh so that's kind of where i'm at is i'm about to get the bomb in the city that's a final fantasy 7 city uh Mm -hmm. to it uh and the weird thing is just the way the the first game presents itself as like oh an evolving history of adventure games but it constantly goes back and forth between Legend of Zelda and Final Fantasy, which Final Fantasy is not an adventure game mm-hmm. uh, or any kind of that. So 
it's a bit weird the way it bounces back and forth uh, instead of picking one style, which is what Evil Land 2 does, which just kind of focuses on uh, like a Zelda RPG kind of, mm-hmm. uh, where you go around and do all that stuff, uh, but it's not really upgrading from like, oh, it's 8-bit to 16-bit to 32-bits, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not really doing that in the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's still fun. Uh, I got my Xbox Series S back on again, playing some stuff, and I got Dirt 5, which just arrived on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the launch title for PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. I've uh, been playing some of that, and that's uh, pretty fun. It does a better job of getting you into the action than uh, Dirt 4 did, which presented a lot of like tutorials uh, for mm-hmm. rally racing. Before I, I don't know if that one came out before or after rally, where kind of figure out like, oh, we should just make this the the simulation game and let Dirt proper be more arcadey. Uh, but Dirt 5 kind of is that. Uh, and it plays pretty well. Uh, the main issues I have with it is that uh, one, it has the dumbest uh, graphical toggle mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Uh, so when you start it up, it asks you, and it's like, oh, we got options for prioritizing uh, resolu- or image quality and uh, frame rate. Mm-hmm. And the two options are named prioritize graphical quality, prioritize resolution. You notice neither one of those is frame rate. Yeah. They're both about graphical quality. Mm-hmm. So I assume by the way that the 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 option was listed that it was uh, the second one, the resolution one was actually frame rate. It's been an issue since launch and they've never fixed this, which I don't understand. It seems like a, an easy thing that should be able to fix. Just mm-hmm. name the one that's for frame rate to frame rate. But uh, there's that, and there's uh, when you're going through like the, the main campaign, uh, it gives you like three goals for each one. And a lot mm-hmm. of them have been, I think every single mat, uh, race I've been in has a match tied to uh, trading paint in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. And it doesn't explain what that means. I know it's you know rubbing up against cars, but what have to do in the in the actual match like the first one was basically telling me to uh drift and trade paint with another car which is hard on the first match where if you know racing games uh the the very beginning of the games are pretty easy to mm-hmm. win you'll generally start later in the uh in the pack and just zoom right past everybody else so like my opportunity for getting this uh, i tried a few times Never seemed to pop. The only time I've gotten it in a race was just one just said, let's just trade paint, just hit a car. And I did mm-hmm. that and I, that worked. But the other one's like, hit them while they're in the air. It's like, this is really hard to line up compared to everything else. Just like, you know, get above 70 miles an hour for five seconds in a row. It's like, that's mm-hmm. not too hard. You know, uh, drifting five times, that's not too hard. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, the, the tracks, they seem to have a lot of good uh, weather effects. Uh, make the tracks look really nice, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty good. Uh, and I right. picked up from the Big in Japan sale Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been interested in checking that out, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the mixing of uh, Puyo Puyo and Tetris and all that, uh, it's pretty well done. The story stuff is uh, a bit weak because the, the main conceit is like, 
oh, it's like all the characters from the first game, but now they all have amnesia and don't remember much about what happened then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and couple that with a very bad uh, uh, auto-forwarding option. Mm-hmm. You have to toggle it on every single time. It doesn't remember even within the same story uh, mm-hmm. mission. Because uh, there's before you do the actual match, and then afterwards, you have to toggle it on each time. And the text goes uh, like twice as slow as the audio. Oh, yeah. So so it'll be, they'll say it in like five seconds, and the text will finish in like 10 to 15 seconds. Mm. So I have to sit there and hit it as soon as the text starts going to just auto show it. So when it's done talking, it moves on. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually trying to pay attention, even though it's not very good. It's just, oh, I feel like we've seen each other before. Yeah, I mm-hmm. don't know. Well, what's this Tetris thing? We're all Puyo Puyo people. What the hell? It's, and I think the the bad might have shown herself already, but there's probably more to its anime. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not always just one bad guy, but uh, that stuff's nice. Uh, the one of the new things to add is this like weird team mode. Mm-hmm. We have cards and all this, and I was trying to figure out how to actually get cards in it. You can set up your teams and the options. Uh, and so I like I just want to put like Sonic in there, even though his they each have ability tied to them mm-hmm. and you use them. And I have not been able to figure out how I'm doing damage to the other person. Uh, it's very confusing and getting cards. You have to play through the story mode to get cards. It doesn't explain this to you at all. Mm-hmm. So if you're just like trying to figure out like, Oh, where do I get these cards? Uh, you have to just keep playing the story mode and then you start getting them. And you level up through that to use in the multiplayer. Yeah. I was trying to do some multiplayer, but I didn't really get anything in. But I was just trying to download stuff, so that might have caused it to take longer than it might have done otherwise. Uh, and as you do matches in, like in multiplayer and the story mode, uh, you get mm-hmm. currency that can you, you can use to unlock uh, skins for the Puyos and Tetris blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the, the release of the Sonic update, there's a Sonic skins that are real dumb. Uh, for that stuff. Uh, so that's weird, but uh, uh, there's like avatars and audio lines and all this kind of stuff you can buy, but the it's unfortunate they bury all that stuff in the options. So whenever yeah. I want to go back there and look at stuff to buy, it's always more of a pain in the ass than it really should be. So yeah. it should be on the main menu and not buried in options. But that stuff's all right. Uh, definitely going to play some more of that, and that's been the large, uh, uh, largely what I've been playing. So, Brandon, how about you? Well, um, more than anything, I played and finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, and yeah, that game, uh, that game takes a turn uh, towards the end, and yeah, that last boss battle is intense as hell. Uh, well, I say last boss battle. Last two boss battles, because there's two of them that you have to do. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, with all that it seems to present now, I'm absolutely, utterly uh, fascinated to see how they're going to go forward with the second game, because there really is like it's, it, they, there really is no limit now. Uh, 
um, after the events of the first game, they can very easily take the game into any direction. Yeah, we have a little bit of idea what's happening next. Uh, we'll talk yeah, about a that little later. bit. We'll talk about yeah. Um, but since I finished that, uh, I decided to uh, go on uh, PS Now and download Sniper Elite Four because I played Sniper Elite Three back in the day and loved it, but I never got around to four. Uh, and that one more or less takes place a lot in the Italian fronts of World War II, uh, mostly in parts of southern Italy as well in parts of North Africa, you know, like modern-day Libya. Um, and uh, much like uh, all the Sniper Elite games, it's a uh, game that is both hyper-realistic in its violence and also... Uh, uses the sort of limitations of what real-life sniping is like as a gameplay feature, because um, anybody who has ever actually, like, fired a rifle from long, at a, a long range will tell you. Um, unlike in, like, a lot of video games where you're given a sniper rifle and you just have to make sure to, like, make make sure the dude is, like, uh, dead in the middle of the crosshairs, and you'll be able to get them. In reality, gravity affects a bullet as it affects anything else, and so that's especially true when you're firing over a long distance. So any person who's ever been in the military as a sniper will tell you, to be an effective sniper, you have to compensate for the gravitational pull that the uh, bullet will endure after it's been fired. Um, now, the game gives you the option of either uh, having a sort of secondary marker in the scope that will tell you more or less approximately where the bullet is going to go when you fire it, um, and like how far down it's going to drop down, you know, depending on how far away you are. Or you can also just go into hardcore mode and they'll just do, do away with that entirely. It's more or less... Fun. Uh, you kind of have to guess through trial and error. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty good. It's kind of buggy, but, um, you know, I, I love shit like that. Uh, any type of uh, military shooter that actively, you know, dissuades you of sort of the, uh, the, the myths of combat that people experience through video games I'm all for. And um, also, other than that, I uh, started playing Splatoon 2. Well, I mean, I've already pl been playing Splatoon 2, but I started playing it more seriously now. Um, one of the... Uh, I actually started playing, you know, some online stuff. Uh, and yeah, I totally get it, because, man, online Splatoon is fantastically fun. Um, especially because you don't have to talk to anybody. It's like the best thing ever. As well. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to talk to anyone. So it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> um, and I also got the, uh, the Octo expansion, which after getting that, I realized the Octo expansion is almost an entire game in and of itself. Um, yeah, it's kind of a hardcore mode. Mm-hmm. It's very large. It's expansive. It goes into a lot more world building 
um, especially on the Octarian side of the of the, of the uh, conflict, and it also gets a hell of a lot darker <laughs> than the than the main uh, single player version that the game comes with. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, just makes me excited for Splatoon three. So that's pretty much what I've been playing. So Dan, what about you? Yeah, um, I got my hands on Persona 5 Strikers on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't played as much of it as I would like, but I am eight hours in. And yeah, there is a whole lot to this game. Um, so for those of you that haven't really been following up on it, um, it's kind of inaccurately portrayed as a Persona Muso. And mm-hmm. while there's nothing wrong with that, it really isn't. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers, for all intents and purposes, is actually... Uh, sort of a pseudo-sequel to Persona 5. And I say that uh, very lightly because, um, as you know, like I, I really enjoyed Persona 5 Royal. Uh, that's pretty much the definitive version of Persona 5. And Persona 5 Strikers exists in a world where Royal didn't happen. So you have to take into account uh, the original ending of Persona 5. But anyway, yeah, so I was saying it's a pseudo-sequel because... Um, even though the even though like there, there's a whole lot of um fights with a lot of enemies in Muso style, mm-hmm. this is really uh pretty much a dungeon crawler um with some Persona Five mixed in. This is this is Persona Five with a new battle system, mm-hmm. and um this is pretty different because this is this is not something that um Atlas has done before, but it's also pretty fitting. Um, the actual controls are pretty much as muso as they get you know you'll be tapping a lot of square in in, in conjunction with triangle to unleash uh, different attacks but it also borrows a lot from persona 5 with the all-out attacks with um uh the persona attacks actually um hitting a weakness and uh, causing the enemies to not be able to attack you back um and that sort of thing and what really sets it apart in my opinion is the ability to use any of the persona 5 characters as your main character so you don't have to use joker all the time everyone feels um different the way you'd expect from a from a musto game and that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um go uh, talk uh going away from the battle system um it's kind of like a persona 5 light um you, you don't you don't have the same um progression system in regards to a uh, your character's relationships, um, but there is sort of a lighter one there, and all you really do is just talk to them. Um, none of your choices actually uh, matter like like they did in the original game, um, and all it really does is um, it gives you more appreciation for the Persona Five lore, uh, while also you know just making your character stronger um, throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty interesting playing this game because so there's a new character in here. Um, her name is Sophia, and I instantly recognized her as the same voice actress that uh, played Toa from the Cold Steel series. And I was like, "Oh, hey, it's little mm-hmm. Toa. She's 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 still pretty damn adorable." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Persona Five Strikers is pretty much more Persona Five, just with a different battle system, and it, it is a little harder. Uh, don't get me wrong; I actually had trouble beating one of the first bosses, and I had to uh, end up dipping down to easy. But aside from that, I'm really looking. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, enjoying what I'm playing, and I'm looking forward to getting back to it after the podcast. So that's been pretty much it for me. All right, so let's get to the news here, and we have a lot of it. We're not ending this month on a a whimper. Uh, nope. Let's start with uh, the PlayStation Plus and games with gold 
lineups for this month. Uh, PlayStation Plus kind of weirdly got announced after the state of play the next day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily know why they didn't announce at least one of these games. Uh, But yeah, continuing from last month, the Destruction All-Stars is also available for this month, so you still got another month for that uh, to check that out. But also coming out for this month is, let's see, for PS5, it is Maquette, uh, which is out on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'll be... That's kind of a cool like first-person puzzle game where you're kind of uh, based on recursive environment simulation kind of stuff. Uh, so you're like in this room uh, with a like big over uh, big like structure over you. And you notice there's like a model version of that, and under that is a model version of that building, and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. At least a few times, and you can sort of solve puzzles by taking objects uh, maybe in the real world, laying them on this model and that allows you to solve puzzles uh, in the big world. And it's all playing around with that kind of stuff. Uh, and I believe that's also coming out to PS4, but the PS5 version is the only one that's on PlayStation plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see for PS4, Final Fantasy seven remake is finally mm-hmm. coming. Uh, yeah. Was this less than a year from when it released? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be fun. It's just the PS4 version. You're not getting uh, the free upgrade that is coming to the PS5 version mm-hmm. uh, for people that own the digital or physical versions of the PS4 version. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because Square Enix, it's not going to be that generous to you. And I've already seen people like, well, this settles it. I'm going to buy the game when it's on 30 bucks. It's like, well, you've confirmed their entire plan works. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're getting you to buy it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can check that out, and uh, we'll talk more about the the upgrade and all that later. Uh, also mm-hmm. coming for PS4 is Remnant from the Ashes, mm-hmm. uh, which is a nice uh, third person shooter, kind of Dark Souls ish kind of thing. Uh, I mm. played a bit of this when it was on Game Pass, uh, and it's pretty cool. Uh, and the way they kind of have the campaign kind of work out differently for different people. So that you got to go mm-hmm. in through these different areas uh, in kind of a random order. So sometimes mm-hmm. you'll talk to people like, oh, I went to this area and they'll be like, I went to this area. I beat this boss, mm-hmm. I got this drop, that kind of thing. And so I think that makes it uh, a bit easier to kind of just jump into other people's worlds and play co op and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, uh, which has three player co op. So you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty neat. Uh, and the last game is Farpoint for PlayStation VR, uh, which is right. a fantastic game. Really well worth playing with a, a PlayStation VR aim controller, if you have that, or have access to it. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's the game that was made for that. Kind of shows how really good that controller is uh, for oh, yeah. uh, VR shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is kind of your lineup there. Uh, four new games and one coming back from last month or this month. Uh, pretty good selection there. Okay. Uh, let's yeah. see. Four. You guys checking any of these out? It's a pretty good lineup. Um, yeah, especially for those who uh, who have uh, been been holding out on FF Seven Remake. Um, and it's funny because like I just noticed that Brandon just finished playing it, so I was like, man, if you waited oh, just a little longer, you could have gotten it free. But oh, um, I got it for Christmas. So <laughs> gotcha. Um, I don't know if I'll actually be diving into any of these. I still haven't even div- uh, dived into uh, what's it called the 
the shark game yet. But uh, mm. you know, I'm just Man gonna either. go ahead and add them to my library and uh, see how it goes from there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's get to uh, games with gold. And if you thought last month's lineup was an indication of a new direction, uh, this month confirms <laughs> that no. Uh, they're back to the same old, same old after their attempt to double the price of gold uh, yeah. failed. I don't know if that's direct relation to that, but uh, for March 1st, available tomorrow, uh, Warface Breakout, mm. which is the spinoff of the free-to-play game that is more, uh, I think it's more Counter-Strike-ish. I forget what the, the difference is here, but it's like a $20 game normally. Yeah. yeah PvP, yeah, I think it's more Counter-Strike-ish or maybe Rainbow Six Siege style mm. thing, but uh, that's starting tomorrow. Uh, starting on the 16th, Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse. An indie game that's been out for a little while. Uh, I really don't know much of it. I hadn't heard of it before. Uh, but it seems like a... They call it the world's best mass llama slaughter roguelike light-ish couch co-op top-down twin-stick shooter. So it's got all of the indie things in it. Uh, and their trailer starts with like a live-action somehow scene of like a, a llama chase in like LA or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. But uh yeah. seems like a dual stick shooter, uh roguelites, all that stuff. Uh yeah. And you pilot mechs to shoot llama hordes, I guess, which mm-hmm. is weird. That could be pretty good. Yeah. Uh for the older stuff, Metal Slug 3 is available starting March 1st, which is a very good Metal Slug game. Mm-hmm. Uh See, on the 16th, there is Port Royale 3, mm. uh, which is uh, one of those strategy games that uh, Calypso Media puts puts out. This one, I think you're more of a pirate yeah. uh, type dude going around see Mighty Kingdoms of Spain, England, France, and the Netherlands to fight all the, uh, uh, as they're fighting over the colonies and you're a young sea captain. His only goal is to become the most powerful man in the new world. So yeah, you're mm-hmm. uh, deciding whether to become a trader or an adventurer, and you know, capturing things with uh, capitalism or mm-hmm. uh, power, I guess. So yeah, kind of one of those weird games that it's a very European mm-hmm. uh, type of game. So that is uh, those are your lineups for this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, for at least PS Plus and Games of Gold, we'll get PlayStation Now and uh, Game Pass in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's start with news, and uh, we got the the bad portion here of games and devs that are on hard times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, CD Projekt Red uh, announced uh, a while ago that they were having two big patches coming out early this year. One was supposed to hit this month, and they've announced that it's yeah. being delayed because they've been hit with a cyber attack. Yep. Uh, that uh, took down their systems uh, for about two weeks. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, awful to see as much as, oh, yeah. you know, we've talked about their issues, you know, we're launching this game way earlier than it should have mm-hmm. and all that. They don't really deserve this kind of stuff or hacking or anything. Cause that stuff just affects the, uh, the average employee there versus the, the people up top. Uh, but yeah, they said, yeah, they put out a statement uh, the other day saying 
Uh, we dearly want to deliver patch 1.2 for Cyberpunk 2077 in the time span we detailed previously. Recent cyber attack on the studio's IT infrastructure and extensive scope of the update means it unfortunately mm-hmm. will not happen. We'll need some additional time. Uh, aiming for a release in the second half of March. Mm-hmm. So we have a few more weeks now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate news. For yeah. It definitely needs all the work it can. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But at least they uh, don't have it as bad as... Uh, oh, what do you want to say, Brandon? I was going to say, yeah. Um, there really is a particularly part of the gaming community that is very entitled and essentially feels like they have the right to basically screw over anyone they think does not measure up to their specific standards. Oh, yeah. And this is this is just part of it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... But they have not had as bad of a time as uh, the developers of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Mm-hmm. As uh, those devs have been fired by Paradox... Uh, for apparently not uh, getting the game in the shape that they were hoping for. Yeah. And continued issues that uh, caused the game to originally be delayed from like an early 2020 release now to here oh, yeah. to 2021 and now probably not even until next year. Yeah. At this point, uh, they said we have chose, we've now chosen to postpone the release of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 further and we will not be launching the game in 2021. We have also decided that Hard Suit Labs will no longer be leading the development of Bloodlines 2. We have started a collaboration with a new studio partner to finish work on the game. It's been a difficult decision, but we are convinced that it is the right way forward to do the game justice. Yeah, it's been a game that's been beset by problems for a while now. Uh, after writers and creative directors have been fired from the project to repeated delays and all that kind of stuff. Uh... Yeah, it's hopefully by the time it's out, it's good. But yeah, we'll have to see how that goes because it just makes it seem less and less likely that it will it will be good by the time it comes out. Mm-hmm. And we've been passed around a couple times now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Honestly, maybe. Yeah. Like one of the things. Like, yeah, you said this game's been passed around at least, what, twice now? Um, Yeah, something like that. And I'm really starting to wonder if, you know, part of the issue here might be that they put put up, like, a release date so early. And apparently just none of the developers they end up hiring can feasibly develop the game they want in such a short time frame. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe you should just not have a freaking, I don't know, a freaking release date until the game is along in development that you can confidently get one. Yeah, that, that would be generally what you would like to do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes publishers and developers may be a little bit uh, more overly hopeful that things will come mm-hmm. together in the time they think it will. Yeah, exactly. But it seems time and time again, you should probably expect uh, a longer time required and be surprised if it comes together a lot sooner. Yes. Yeah, over the last few years, we've seen 
publishers more often than not, you know, go ahead and unveil logos and dates uh, when they're even when when they're barely on the conceptual stage. Yeah. And like, even though we know those games will come eventually, there's really no point in showing them. I mean, but, but like by the time by the time it's all public information, it's already too late. You're, you're going to get people looking forward to these titles. And I know this one, while I don't care about it, is something that a lot of people care about. And they're just, oh, you know, yeah. writing themselves into a corner here. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope for all the best, but I really can't think of any positive light for this one. Yeah, that's definitely kind of their their issue at this point is it's not necessarily uh, a game that people have a lot of expectations for at this point, which mm-hmm. may work in their favor at, so, uh, at this point. Uh, maybe. Because all the delays, they may not expect it to actually be good, and then somehow it comes out, and maybe it'll be fantastic. Mm-hmm. It happens on occasion. Yes, uh, on occasion. But yeah, it's... This game's uh, been long awaited because the original game's uh, kind of a cult favorite. Oh, yeah. Uh, to the point of people fixing the game because obviously it wasn't getting updated with the new OS uh, iterations and all that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those old PC games that uh, the, the players kind of kept alive over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, and you get the copy on GOG or whatever. Uh, to play, and so you know, it's really through the work of those people that you know there's even an audience here to be excited about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah. they're not getting a a game of their uh, what they deserve at the at the speed that they thought they were going to get it. I guess mm-hmm. maybe the best way to say it, but yeah. Hopefully it does get turned around and it's not in too bad of a shape. We'll have to see what the what that looks like next year. Mm-hmm. At least the best thing that's going to happen is this new studio is going to get time to work on it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another game that's been uh, gone for a while, Dying Light 2. Yeah. Uh, from Techland and I think... I forget who's publishing that. Warner Brothers? I forget who is publisher on that game but uh dying light 2 has been a, a long way to game because the original was a f- pretty popular game mm-hmm. uh it's uh it was kind of the follow-up to dead island mm-hmm. uh stylistically and all that uh you know yeah. necessarily quality wise but uh dying light 2 is a, a big uh announcement back at mm-hmm. i think the xbox e3 show a few years ago yeah, talking about all the the story ambitions they had for it. Uh, I forget who was the main writer then. Yeah. Uh, who has since had his uh, his reputation heavily uh, uh, criticized as a result of various uh, abusive issues and such mm-hmm. uh, from his past. Uh, it seems like the studio itself at Techland not not that much better. Uh, is a report from the gamer. Uh, mm-hmm. Detailing a number of uh, rep- uh, of uh, indications from individual developers that I think are all uh, anonymous, talking about you know, ten current uh, former members of the studio uh, show how the management took an abusive tone, including use of a homophobic slur when offering feedback. Mm-hmm. 
the CO has responded to this saying, uh, the investigation is an important issue when looking at the communication issues the company is currently aiming to improve. Uh, CEO responded saying that the job of the team is to invent and iterate and that this goal is often caused clashes with members of the team with differing opinions on development progression, which is like that kind of stuff always happens. People uh, get into heated discussions about way where features should go and all that, but it seems more like there's kind of enough of a, a hands-off uh, aspect to some of this so that people working on one aspect of a game can just give feedback yeah. and criticism on other parts that they don't have any experience in uh, that, you know, maybe valid in some forms, but the, the people working on those actual features know that like, Oh, this, this actually isn't going to work the way that they want it to. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, stories mm-hmm. of nepotism. Cause the CEO's wife is the head of HR. So mm-hmm. any particular criticisms about him uh, to her are obviously not going to the way that uh, you would like to have it be mm-hmm. a bit more independent from uh, the execs uh, and marketing conflicts. This, the story has a lot of stuff here. It's definitely worth looking into it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see all of it, but as a lot of stuff here is just damning with how, Mm-hmm. Uh, how much work is needed to get this studio mm-hmm. in order in a healthy way uh, to get it uh, get any of these games out, much less Dying Light 2 mm-hmm. uh, which still doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon and if, yeah. uh, if things don't change for the studio uh, it may not come out for a lot longer yeah. Yeah. Um usually die on the vine like some of their other projects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I have a feeling that this is gonna start to become a trend. Um, yeah. that we're gonna start seeing all of these like big games. We're gonna start hearing about these really toxic work environments that um a lot of these like big heavily uh hyped or heavily expected games in their production. Um, Especially seems to be uh, something that's happening over in European studios that maybe under smaller scopes and expectations be able to do fine with that, but now we're getting bigger budgets and bigger marketing pushes that uh, put more pressure on them to perform at levels that maybe the studio's uh, talent quality is maybe not up to it and yeah. people at top are not sure how to deal with it. Well, Ubisoft was sort of the, was sort of the, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think it's going to end up spreading to a lot of the other European developers as well. We could definitely see that. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, another unfortunate story. I think that's the last of the really bad stories of work envi- uh, work environments and all that. Yeah. Uh, but Still not any less uh, moral, demoralizing stories here. Anthem Next has been canceled. Yeah, yeah um, I think they actually decide, they made the decision for this last week, I think. Um, it had been announced that apparently the heads of Bioware were going to be in a meeting with EA's board of directors, and they were going to basically decide what the fate of Anthem was going to be. And they yeah. basically decided, decided, yeah, just 
put a pillow over its head. It's done. <laughs> um, yeah, not putting more work into the game. Yeah, uh, which is sad. Um, I still really liked Anthem uh, back when I played it and reviewed it. Um, yeah. But I also admit that it was lacking some content uh, content that would help bring people back. Yeah, content and kind of quality of life stuff. Yeah. Like not having uh, to wait until you finish a mission to see what loot you got. Yeah. Um, and also there was just the simple fact that, you know, the servers were just not in very good shape when that game launched, which also yeah. uh, posed a serious issue for it from the very beginning. Um, yeah. Since the game has come out, you know, we now know reports that, you know, this anthem, the game that we got was not what it was originally intended to be. It wasn't even supposed to be called Anthem. Uh, at some point, EA stepped in and flashed uh, some dollars in front of the heads of Bioware, and they decided to jump on this games as service bandwagon, and it totally flopped. Um, not only did uh, they end up putting money into what ultimately became a money pit, but they ended up taking away a lot of their most talented developers for what was supposed to be the big comeback for the Mass Effect series with Mass Effect Andromeda. So they basically wrecked their reputation in just two games. Yeah. Um, The the weird rush of devs to try to make their own destiny. Yeah. I think most of them have not done as well as they would have expected. Yeah, it's like Marvel's Avengers, Anthem. Uh, I forget what else there is mm-hmm. out there, but yeah, those two have been uh, pretty big disappointments for their publishers. Yeah, and yeah. EA, uh, EA in the last uh, couple of years, there. I mean, EA was already pretty disliked as a publisher for their practices, anyway. But what happened with this and with uh, about Star Wars Battlefront 2 and um, I'm sure there's a couple other like what they did with Madden and just a bunch of other stuff that ultimately what ended up pretty much saving the company's ass was this random ass Battle Royale game from Respawn Entertainment <laughs> um which is yeah. not a not a slight at Apex Legends because Apex Legends is a genuinely great game. Yeah. But that game is basically the reason why EA was able to end their fiscal year out of the red. So, um, and as we're fixing this, we're fixing to see here, um, and I'll just go ahead and talk about it. Um, after they announced that Anthem Next was being canceled, they also announced that the upcoming Dragon Age 4 is being refocused as a single-player-only game. Um, yeah. which... like this is also tied to the success of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, mm-hmm. which is a single-player-only game, no uh-huh. uh, live game stuff in it. And yeah. it's done like 10 million uh, copies sold. Yeah. Incredibly well for them, for... Uh, yeah, uh, another 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 respawn title. I also have to point yeah. out. In fact, the reason that game came out as well as it did is because basically uh, respawn was able to say, "Hey, EA, we just saved your asses. You got something to say?" And they were like, "No, you just go ahead and make your Star Wars game." And uh, 
because EA managed to keep their asses out of it, we ended up getting probably one of the best uh, original uh, Star Wars video game IPs in a long-ass time. Yeah. Especially one that, despite one, the mm-hmm. the tech issues with it, yeah, uh, were, just did not run well in the new or the uh, the last gen consoles. That yeah. uh, kind of was still able to do really well in spite of that. Yeah, and also not just because it was able to stand on its own, not just because of Star Wars license, because on its merits as a game. Period. Yeah. No. Being one of the the few like big budget Dark Souls clones that has enough of its own vibe to it that it does really well with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that this is sort of EA realizing that they can't keep poking their ass into all this stuff, that they need to yeah. let their developers develop without this sort of heavy-handed uh, over-control of, their, of the developers that work under them. Yeah. And I'm hoping that Dragon Age 4 will end up being a return to form. Um, yeah. Even though Inquisition was well received. No, oh yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition was pretty was pretty great. I have no problem with it. Um, well, that had a weird multiplayer mode that did pretty well on its own. Yeah. Nobody uh, really needed either way. Yeah, but you can kind of start to see all this shit happen with Mass Effect 3 when they sort of shoehorned in that not exactly bad multiplayer mode into it. Yeah. Um, and you could kind of start seeing all this stuff sort of. But trying to make that like, oh, you can just jump in here. You don't have to play the first two games. It's like, you probably should play the first two games. Yeah. Even if it's on like the Wii U where there's no other two games. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I get that you're trying to get this in there because you can make money off the multiplayer, but it's, you're not doing the game any for, uh, favors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the studio trying to get this all out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it seems to have realized that maybe not having like one uh, one engine for all the games that EA makes because uh, uh, like Star Wars and uh, Anthem and all that are or not Anthem, uh, Apex Legends are kind of all on Unreal Engine 4. Yeah. Uh, it's able to be a bit more agile because Frostbite is not necessarily a great engine for all the games that it's working on. And it's also very quickly becoming outdated. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, it will probably, I would not be surprised if it becomes completely obsolete by the end of the next generation. So. Yeah. And it seems like they're uh, finally making a change to allowing the studios to kind of be more in control of what they're working on. Yeah. And making decisions that hopefully aren't too bad. That's not been, that's definitely uh, reared its head in some bad ways, like Titanfall yeah. 2 releasing in the middle of a bunch of other shooters. Yeah. That was more because the, the studio wanted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the Dragon Age 4 announcement was because Bioware, the heads of Bioware wanted to announce that, even though it's that was two years ago. Yeah. We're still not really seeing that much gameplay out of it. No, we've like, mostly seen like some cinematics and some concept art. Yeah. And the reason people's got people are concerned by that is because that's kind of what went down with Andromeda. Yeah. Well, that was um, also kind of like this gen and uh, last gen, like EA has not done a great job of having games ready for launch outside of their annual stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not been since like the the PS2 gen that mm. they kind of had you know SSX uh, and some other stuff like that uh, oh. out early on in those game on the those platforms. That uh, yeah, they've mm-hmm. kind of had their shit together, but that was also when games were easier mm-hmm. to make. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we've reached a point where um, it shows that you really can't be micromanaging everything, especially with the pandemic. You have to pivot in a way that works for your employees. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, in 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 the situation um, I'm in, like uh, glue is one of the uh, biggest um, mobile developers and publishers in the industry. And, you know, I uh, manage three communities for um, three different games. Uh, but, you know, we have more than three games in the pipeline. And, you know, we have multiple community managers um, going ahead and doing their thing with, with, with each game. So, you know, what, what I say um, doesn't necessarily work for a game like Disney's Sorcerer's Arena or what, what, whatever may have you. And then, so um, I'm on Brandon's boat. Um, in regards to Anthem, like, you know, I actually liked the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for for what it's worth, when you're making a live product, you have to have a live product schedule. And yeah. Anthem never had that. No. Um, uh, not to mention all of the rubber banding and server issues that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you combine if you combine those with the fact that they really had no plan, yeah, no. Um, there, there wasn't going to be uh, much success to begin with, even if you have a studio as talented as um, as BioWare. And, you know, in regards to Mass Effect Andromeda, that was a separate problem um, in in its own way because they actually had to shuffle resources out of Anthem to actually work on Andromeda, and they eventually ran out of time. Um, Games like Mass Effect Andromeda and Battlefront 2, you know, they they, they suffered from really, really bad launches, but when you play them now, they're actually fine. Yeah, yeah. The teams actually did whatever they could to fix it, and that's yeah. because you know. Well, yeah. I know because, uh, like I said, Andromeda. You know, if you play Mass Effect Andromeda now, the one mm-hmm. thing you will come away with is, man, they gave up. EA gave up on this game way too soon. Yeah, um, yeah. Because now that the, the game's all smoothed out and everything, you know, like you can you get towards the end of that game and you see all of the potential they had for like DLC and stuff that you know for certain they were planning on putting in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, and the, the the reason why they're fine is because you know, for all intents and purposes, um, EA just packed their bags and just go ahead and let the studios do their own work. That's where the talent is, mm-hmm. and like, I'm hoping that uh, you know, with with the recent announcement for a Dragon Age Four, uh, granted, I I've I've never played any of the Dragon Age games, so I have no idea like how beloved as a, as a series but ea has a lot of those properties that you know people love and will buy anyway and you know you, you look at a game like madden which was probably like one of the worst uh maddens in recent memory but it's also in a different situation because that game was released in a pandemic when we didn't know if there would be a season not to mention you had one of the teams change their names when the game was already finished so that leads to a whole lot of other qa problems so you know ea has had to like um write this ship through all these different kinds of messes when they probably really didn't even have to do anything. All they had to do was let the studios do their work. And, you know, um, all, all these studios actually want from their publisher is one, the time and two, the marketing resources, because EA has a hell of a marketing team. You look at a game like Madden or FIFA, um, no matter how bad the reviews are, they're going to sell because they have the IP and because their marketing is great. So, you know, as again, as as uh, to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, I am going to be working for EA in a matter of months. Um, but it really does look like they're they're probably going to give the keys to to each of the studios. And I think like one of the main problems that 
we will we, we'll, we'll likely see in the future is you know um, what what Chris mentioned before the the release date issue. Like, because mm-hmm. one thing that uh, that that a lot of us uh, tend to think is the fact that why are we always like having these releases so close to each other? Like, that actually has no effect on anything as far as marketing goes. The only time I've seen it actually have that kind of effect was with Cyberpunk. A lot of developers uh, just decided to move release dates out because Cyberpunk was coming out when it was supposed to come out. And now that it has come out, like, you know, um, Cyberpunk just isn't what what anybody thought it would be. And you look at a company like Ubisoft who moved all of their dates away from Cyberpunk, and it turns out, like, all three of um, Ubisoft's games that came, that came out over the winter were all better than Cyberpunk to begin with. So, you know, it's yeah. it's a weird situation. Some of those devs could have definitely been like, we'll stay here. Because uh, you could have probably done some fun social media stuff, be like, well, if your Cyberpunk's not working, come check out our game. Yeah, from, I mean, uh, for us in particular, when I had to work with their PR guys, you know, they got they got us codes for uh, for Watch Dogs um, and for Assassin's Creed, uh, and we we, we didn't get um, uh, Immortals: Phoenix Rising, but you know, a, a separate issue. But you know, having to uh, re- review those games uh, with only two writers down to actually like actually grab a code was a was an extremely like stressful situation because we all had embargoes to go through. And all of these games originally had three very different dates. They weren't all in November, December. So yeah. 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 So that's the, the EA thing. Uh, let's get to Google. Cause they have two big uh, stories here. Uh, one kind of uh, going into a little bit of why uh, Stadia kind of underperformed and all this. And uh, part of it's uh, mentioned that, they spent a ton of money on uh, buying uh, ports uh, to Stadia, mm-hmm. getting studios yep. to come over, like to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Like probably recouping the cost of some of these games alone on that, not counting sales that they had uh, before that. You know, working with publishers like Ubisoft and Take Two, and it makes a lot more sense with this kind of uh, uh, report that's like. It makes a lot of sense why all these big publishers are on Stadia, even though the audience is not there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, talking about uh, paying so much money for these uh, games and somehow uh, having the like top people at Google not really know what to do with Stadia, which is why the uh, the whole thing with uh, Phil Harrison like meeting with the devs, seeing what their games, uh, the internal games they were working on, you know, saying great job and all this, and then Google itself pulls, uh, pulls the the rug out under them, and shutting down those studios uh, days later, uh, which is a big 180 from what uh, the people working directly on Stadia to what uh, Google themselves are doing. Mm-hmm. And if they're paying, you know, shit tons of money to these uh, publishers and developers to bring their games over. Yeah, they're going to do it nine times out of ten. Uh, it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, throwing out that kind of money and not investing into it. Uh, especially talking mm-hmm. about how they were initially planning to launch the launch Stadia as like a beta and mm-hmm. work their way up to these features and all that. And the top people being like, no, we got we to gotta go all the way from day one. And that obviously backfired big time. Mm-hmm. People were not really excited about paying you know 60 bucks for games that uh were only exclusively to this service uh and just not getting that many of them because they're all 
bigger named games. Uh, not too mm-hmm. much indies on that service. Uh, yeah. Just kind of uh, shows you how out of touch the the Google people were compared to the those that seem to be running Stadia and wanting to do things uh, mm-hmm. the better way. Mm. All right. Uh, but let's talk about something uh, kind of good news for Stadia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Andrew Spinks, who had his Google accounts kind of just shut down out of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago and tried to go through all of his channels, both uh, through customer service, the, the way normal people would, through his developer uh, contacts, and somehow finding no recourse to help him out. Uh, and decided that as a result of not having access to his accounts they use for uh, the game and all that, uh, mm-hmm. for Terraria, that uh, he was canceling it. And that seems like a few weeks later, Things have been worked out finally. Yeah, uh, as uh, he apparently managed to get here. his own. Get his, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, he basically managed to get his password back. Yeah, yeah. The Relogic uh, had a statement here. After a month of pushing and the immense support of our fans, Google finally reached out. Was able to provide a lot of transparency around the situation to restore access to all of mm-hmm. our accounts. To the hard work the Stadia team has put in, as well as our partners at 505 Games, we decided that we will allow the upcoming launch Terraria on Google Stadia to proceed. The Terraria Stadia build is based on the DR Studios uh, latest build. It's currently Google for certification review, so it seems like it's going to be out fairly mm-hmm. soon. So good news for the, the people who have been working on this mm-hmm. uh, game that they can actually get it out, not be canceled over some really weird CS stuff that was going on. Yeah. But yeah, Andrew Spinks has his accounts all back under his mm-hmm. control. Everything seems to be in order. Mm-hmm. And they're putting the game out as they said they would. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Let's see. Let's get to uh, Activision here. Activision put out a weird statement earlier this week saying that basically... Let's see. Those who own a standard PlayStation 4 with a default hard drive of 500 gigabytes may need to make room if they have the full version of Modern Warfare, Warzone, and Black Ops Cold War with all modes and packs installed. Should have both games installed and have kept up to date with updates. You may need to delete mm-hmm. some unused game content to have a successful download and install of the Warzone patch tonight. Mm-hmm. There's a hefty 17 gigs mm-hmm. on its own. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, uh, so partially there's the, the whole thing with uh, the installs on PS4, which you need, I think, generally about like 100 gigs of free space mm-hmm. to get that stuff through. Uh, and in this case, Activision has kind of weirdly intertwined Modern Warfare and Warzone and Black Ops Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's if you're doing the Battle Pass stuff in Cold War, you need to have Warzone installed because you're getting content for that as well. Uh, I think back when Warzone came out, the Battle Pass had stuff just for uh, mm-hmm. Modern Warfare or Warzone. So you had to play both. You weren't getting you know, content for one or the other. Uh, so you could just stick with one or the other. And they have this whole system where you can uninstall content from within the game to free up space. Mm-hmm. But if you are trying to play Warzone and the whole thing with uh, Modern Warfare and Warzone is that they're the same installer. 
Essentially, it's the same yeah. on PC and all and the other consoles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge fucking game. They have not found a. They've not decided to like separate Warzone in a way that makes it a more manageable uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, partially if you're just downloading Warzone because it's free to play, it's a popular battle royale, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you like the Call of Duty action and all that, yeah, you have to have this big, big honking uh, hard drive killer ad for Modern Warfare attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Black Ops Cold War came out, people were like, well, how are they going to handle Warzone with this? They've just kind of added Black Ops Cold War stuff to Warzone. Uh, where they've added, you know, weapons and such to the to things you can unlock in the battle pass and all that. So if you're trying to you know, just play the new game in Warzone, you, you'd have this huge chunk of hard drive just dedicated to these two massive games. Mm-hmm. Because uh, let's see, Warzone and Modern Warfare takes up up to 170 gigs. Uh, Black Ops Cold War is about 100. So right there's about 270. Uh, there's uh, 100 gigs that the PS4 generally reserves for its OS stuff. Uh, and then that leaves like another 100 gigs or so for mm-hmm. updates and other games there. So, it's man, it's really while they haven't like figured out a better way to handle these games. Mm. And that's coming to roost as the, they try and figure out what they're going to have to do. They really should have spun off Warzone as its own client mm. at some point, instead of keeping it tied to modern warfare. Cause they haven't have two giant call of duty games installed mm-hmm. just for two things. It's not, not great at all. I think on PC, I had Warzone. When I finally uninstalled it, I got 200 gigs of space back. Mm-hmm. That's a, a ton right there. So, yeah, it's just a ridiculous mm-hmm. situation that Activision has put people on PS4 in. Mm-hmm. It's great they've been supporting it, but yeah, it's not been great most of the other ways. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about something good that Activision has been doing. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, is finally mm-hmm. coming to the new consoles here on March 26th. Mm-hmm. Is going to require a ten dollar upgrade if you already own it on PS4 or Xbox One, because mm-hmm. uh, essentially they are making the deluxe edition, the mm-hmm. the upgradable version. And as soon as they announced this, they had the deluxe edition upgrade DLC removed, mm-hmm. so you can't even just pay the ten bucks now to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you have to wait here a few more weeks just to be able to put down your ten bucks if you want it. To, Mm. Running at 4K 60 FPS, uh, up to 120 FPS with 1080p mode, mm. uh, using haptic feedback and 3D audio on the PS5 version. You can transfer your save data over just fine. Uh, Switch version is also coming, uh, but no date on that. So, sometime later this year. Uh, yeah, mm. weird, weird whole thing they're doing with that. But uh, yeah, you'll be able to just pay that 10 bucks. You get the the stuff the that added, which is like a Retro gear for creative skater mode, a secret skater called Ripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, retro skins for Tony Hawk and a few other skaters, and some other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for getting this upgrade, you get uh, an extra skater and some other stuff as well. So yeah, the, the deluxe bundle on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S will cost fifty bucks, mm-hmm. and the base version is going to be forty bucks. 
I know this is for the the current gen versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it'll be yeah. I mean, like I would hope some of the extra content is pretty good because I mean we're, we're talking about Activision here. Like you know they already have uh, sort of a negative uh, outlook uh, from from other gamers in the industry, but. You know, you also mm-hmm. have Crash Bandicoot Four, which we'll talk about later. Have a free PS5 upgrade. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering if that's more of a licensing thing uh, in regards to Tony Hawk and stuff stuff like that. But um, I did want to quickly talk about like the last story because I was looking for a tweet, so I didn't really say mm-hmm. anything. But like, uh, yeah, this this came from you know one of our staffers, uh, John Yelenik, uh, in, reg- in regards to the uh, to the uh, space on your console. He's like, this sucks big time. You shouldn't have to shell out an extra 50 to 100 bucks for an external hard drive to play your $60 game because you have $40 console. You bought the game for is literally incapable of playing it. So like as much as we can go ahead and hate on Activision here, um, Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, um, you know, Sony or even Microsoft should, 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 uh, definitely carry a brunt of the blame too. Because you know um, that, that that was definitely one of our concerns with the next generation coming in was the the lack of storage space. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the Xbox Series X, and uh, more storage space uh, almost costs what the console costs, and to me that that, that that that's unacceptable. And then you have the PS5, which um, doesn't even allow you to put you know PS5 games or saves on an external hard drive yet yet you can do it with ps with the, with the ps4 games like that mm-hmm. honestly makes no sense to me and i don't understand why at this point when we're um more than a quarter into uh a, a year with their lifespan there there's there's still no storage option that, that mm-hmm. it just makes no sense to me yeah um and then it, it also kind of like uh, brings back memories of um i don't know if you've heard that story that that, that iwata story where they were in the middle of building um Pokemon Gold and Silver, which you know, mm-hmm. if you've played it, and you know, po- uh, Pokemon Anniversary, it's uh, it's pretty much double what uh, the previous game was, and they had trouble uh, fitting it onto the cart, and you know, Iwata just worked some magic to make the game even smaller than it was than, than what it was initially. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you kind of wish we we still had that kind of brilliance in the industry somewhere, but yeah, you know, yeah, and it seems like. Uh... Being able to condense some of these games to smaller sizes, it would be nice to see, mm-hmm. uh, especially because I think uh, Io has done a great job of that with Hitman Three, which has three games worth of maps in it. It's sixty gigs on PS Five. Uh, the mm-hmm. PS Four version of Hitman Two is like one hundred and twenty for just two yeah. games worth of maps. And it's like so they've done a great job of kind of fixing that issue on the newer consoles. Uh, and I think the the PS4 version is also similarly small, so I wish they could have done that with Hitman 2 itself, but there's probably other issues going on there that keep them from being able to do that so easily. That only really happens with like free-to-play games that are continually in development, like Warframe's shedding some of its uh, size, because they're probably mm-hmm. better able to, to condense stuff and make it a, uh, a more efficient uh, mm-hmm install yeah i mean one of the reasons why i haven't played uh destruction all-stars yet is because i can't think of what game i want to delete in order to play it and mm-hmm. i'm like i never had this problem with ps3 i never had this problem with ps4 because the externals let me do whatever i want now i can't and i don't get it so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what I like about my external on my ps5 is the ssd externals i put all my ps4 stuff and the nice thing is they let you set that as an option like if i'm downloading a ps4 game just put on the external Mm-hmm. That leads me all my internal space for PS5 stuff. 
Yeah. And that yeah, got me like 30, ga- 30 games on there right now. Mm-hmm. Some of that smaller indie stuff, but I still have a, quite a bit of big games in there. Yeah. You know, stuff I haven't even touched yet. I just downloaded just because I have the space. Just in case I yeah. want to start it. At some and then point. like when you eventually do get more PS5 games, like, you know, it's, it's going to be a problem like maybe in a few months, not even next year. So, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. weird. We got a story that touch on that here in a little bit, but uh, let's get to a weird bit of news that followed the state of play that uh, Square Enix announced two more Final Fantasy VII games. Yeah, both are mobile, mobile games, games, and mm-hmm. they are maybe not what you would expect. Uh, the first <laughs> one is a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. It is a battle royale game called mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier. Uh, it's battle royale. Uh, set in Midgar before the events of the first game where you control a candidate for soldier and battle an unknown mm-hmm. number of other players. Uh, it has third-person melee, gunplay, spell casting, even summons, take out opposing players, and be the last soldier standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like they also have AI enemies in there as well, so that'll be out later this year for iOS and Android. I have no clue mm-hmm. what that is going to... There's a teaser trailer for it, so you can kind of get what's going on there, but... I have no clue what that's going to even be like. Yeah, it's some um, weird stuff. Like, they call it a battle royale, but nothing they showed in the trailer actually made it look like a battle royale. It, it just looked like a new adventure. Um, yeah. That said, that is actually what got me interested in it. And uh, it's kind of weird. Like, we'll, we'll talk about the next game in a bit. But honestly, if 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 they could swing it, I would want to see both these games on Switch. Yeah, I think mobile. they will happen on consoles because... Uh, this other one is similar to one of their other games they put out, Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition, which mm-hmm. is sort of a more mobile style, kind of like what they did with the, the 3DS Final Fantasy remakes, where it's kind of a simpler 3D art style to it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of that, so I think they could definitely bring those over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this next one is kind of hilarious because there was a trademark that popped up called Ever Crisis, which people mm-hmm. liken to Final Fantasy VII games because. There's Advent Children, Before Crisis, Dirge of Cerberus, and Crisis Core. All, yep. you know, A, C, B, C, D, C, C, C. This was E, C, so it's like, well, maybe this is new Final Fantasy VII thing, whatever. <laughs> and here it is. It's it's a fucking mobile game. Uh, but it's kind of a retelling of the various stories in Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to, like, Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I assume it's going to be a bit more compact. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a mobile game. They could do whatever with it, but uh, it has a nice style to it where it kind of it kind of reminds me of them making more of a direct remake of mm-hmm. the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, similar like, you know, uh, simpler looking character models, but still very much of mm-hmm. the, the newer art styles of mm-hmm. anime and all that. So, yeah, yeah it could it's, be it's, neat. It's another, uh, it's, it's another really interesting concept here. I mean, like, uh, especially for me in particular, like, I've I have always found uh, the FF Seven, you know, lore or saga to be completely mm-hmm. overrated, mainly because um, I never really got a full grasp of what's really even going on in that universe, and have have mm-hmm. having it retold in this way would definitely help in that regard. Like, I'm somebody that liked Crisis Core more than the original game, and I also really, really liked Remake because they actually delved into. Um, you know, the the stories of characters who were otherwise unimportant in the original game. And it looks like uh, it looks like this mobile um, look at it is um, 
pretty much you know what remake was in a in a in a more scaled down form. Now I don't know if what we're going to see episodically is going to be like you know more than a few hours each way through. But again, mm. like what I said about the battle royale, like if they want to release this as one huge compilation, you know, on on an actual gaming platform, I'd definitely be more interested. But this is definitely on my radar. This is some interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm curious to see because the thing they mentioned here in the article is that they don't it uses remakes style of uh, combat system. So to play a bit more like that, but they don't know if the the other stories are adding to it, uh, if it's going to be episodic or whatever. But if they're going to be more like the uh, those games, because I think Dirge of Cerberus was the Vincent game. Yeah, Dirge like of Cerberus was a that, that was an action shooter. So I don't know how they'll actually tell this story in a in a, in a mobile form, but. Uh... Yeah, and Crisis Core was the more traditional RPG, and before Crisis was the mobile game, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Navin Children was a movie, so I don't think they're, they're going to put a movie in this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll put a code. You can watch it on uh, Apple or Google Play or whatever. I mean, Advent Children is what made the story make no sense in the first place for me. Like, this, this is pretty yeah. much what, what turned into Kingdom Hearts. So, yeah. Yeah. But I assume they're adapting that stuff to be in this style of combat. But that'll be out mm-hmm. next year, so we'll probably find out more then. But it's a very ambitious game, whatever they're trying to do with this. Mm-hmm. But I do find it funny, people obsessed about the, the trademark. Like, oh, what does this mean? Uh, it's going to be some big thing. And it's like, oh, no, it's, it's a mobile game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it looks like they're doing to FF7 what they did with uh, FF13. Except the difference now is people care because it's FF7. So Yeah. Yeah, so there's like two interesting things happening with Final Fantasy VII, not counting the news with Remake, but uh, we'll get to that. Let's go with the Sony news. We got a whole huge heaping of it here. Oh, yeah. Uh, like eight stories here. Uh, mm. First, some big news. It seems like Sony is uh, shutting down Japan Studio. Yeah. Uh, pretty much to being uh, what a Sobe team, the, the Astros Playroom and Astrobot Rescue Mission team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the like localization production people are uh, going to be working mm-hmm. with the other studios now. Uh, but most of the people that worked at Japan Studio are being let go. Mm-hmm. It seems like. Yeah, this is quite heartbreaking for me, uh, mainly yeah. because uh, Japan Studio is tied to a lot of what made PlayStation PlayStation to me in the first place. You oh, look at yeah. it now, and you know, PlayStation, for for lack of a better term, is really a Western a, a Western company now. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're comprised of mostly uh, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, and and you know, games that really define the PS3 and PS4 era. But you know, yeah. you uh, losing Japan Studio, in my opinion, takes away everything. Um, Japanese about PlayStation, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the big issue for them is that the titles they have been working on just haven't done as well as uh, their other stuff has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're still credited with with, with Astrobot, right? Like that's technically that's yeah, still theirs. They were a team within yeah. Japan Studio, mm-hmm. and now they're essentially becoming their own thing, which mm-hmm. is great for them because they totally deserve it. They showed they're one of the best teams that Sony has. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite them being, you know, virtually unknown, when they put out their first two games, uh, which was Playroom yeah. and Playroom VR, 
And then uh, you you look at their you know their their catalog. You know they have Ape Escape, Legend of Dragoon, Ico, Shadow or yeah. Ico, Shadow of the Colossus. Like the these are all uh, tentpole PlayStation franchises that yeah. you know really helped um, bear the burden when they didn't have uh, or when they didn't know Naughty Dog was really what they were uh, or um, any yeah. of the new uh, PlayStation studios now. So again, it. it it sucks. I'm glad to see that, you know, a number of them are being um, relegated to other duties around the PlayStation Studios. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, PlayStation yeah. will eventually have something that, like, screams the same weird Japanese stuff that uh, they were known for in the past. But, yeah, it's a different mm-hmm. company now. Yeah. I could see Team Asobi growing and maybe being able to do Ape Escape or whatever mm-hmm. at a point. Uh, though I assume they're working on an Astro game. For uh, a story here, we'll get to a little bit later, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, it's sad, but it seems like it's been on the wall for a while because like a number of people have been leaving, like the the creator of the Siren games and Gravity Rush uh, has left. He's doing his own thing now. Mm-hmm. Like the, the main Sony producer for Bloodborne has left. He announced that uh, the other day, like uh, they've been bleeding some of the talent that worked on that stuff and obviously... Uh, Fumi Tueda left, uh, and so like the Team Ego team is kind of largely gone as well. So yeah, they've kind of lost a lot of their stuff there. It's a uh, it's unfortunate, but I hope sort of Team Asobi can kind of grow uh, and maybe reform as like the new Japan studio, mm-hmm. essentially, of yeah. the uh, and produce some really high quality stuff because they they've done a great mm-hmm. job for the last couple games here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's get to another bit of bad news. Gran Turismo 7 has suffered from the, the COVID uh, delay syndrome. Yeah. It's been pushed to yeah. 2022 mm-hmm. next year. Uh, which is a shame because the idea of having a Gran Turismo in the first year of a console, a Sony console, hasn't happened since uh, the PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, that was supposed to be a launch title and got delayed to the summer after. But... Uh, yeah, it seems like this is not going to happen after all, which is a shame. Uh, Jim Ryan did an interview with GQ for Big mm-hmm. Piece, talking about a lot of stuff, and some of those are other stories we have here. But uh, yeah, be, um, be, before you go on, like I just wanted to emphasize the fact that this happened in a GQ interview. Like Sony has got, or, or PlayStation, for lack of a better point, has has gotten um, into a space where uh, you know. This story isn't even on a gaming website. Like they're they're mm-hmm. they're they're reaching out towards other forms of media, and that shows how how big they are. And at the same time, it just shows that I don't know. In my opinion, that maybe it wasn't as important to put it on a gaming platform just because they know they'd get better press on a regular magazine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's also partially because uh, it's something they've done a few times now with the GQ. I think uh, mm-hmm. doing sort of just oh, let's talk because. I also think other types of media outlets are now more receptive to game content because mm-hmm. it's just a normal part of people's lives versus just if you're trying to do this 10, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. there'd be no way these other sorts of publications and such would do this. Now it's kind of just more of a natural thing mm-hmm. for people. It's like, oh, let's let's talk to the the head of this, one of the big three consoles and mm-hmm. talk about various things. Uh, but yeah, they talk about GT7 has been impacted by COVID related production challenges. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we'll shift from 2021 to 2022. 
the ongoing pandemic, it's a dynamic and changing situation. And some critical aspects of game production have been slow over the past several months. We'll share more specifics on GT7's release date when available. Yeah. So hopefully that won't be too long, but uh, it seems like they've got a lot lined up here for this year. So mm-hmm. hopefully it won't be too uh, bad as a result. But uh, yeah, we talked about storage for Sony. Uh, we got a report here suggesting that they are working on an update for this summer to allow for the uh, internal SSD storage expansion stuff for the PS5. Mm-hmm. No real details, just it seems like that'll be uh, a thing that is going to be happening here. You just have to pull off the, the one fin on the side of the console mm-hmm. uh, to access the internal slot. Uh, and they'll probably be putting out a list of. Uh, the recommended SSDs that work with this thing. Mm-hmm. So that'd be good news for people that have been itching to upgrade the internal storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I think also part of that GQ article was them talking about their PC initiative. Mm-hmm. They started last year with Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, and they mentioned that they got another one uh, on the way with Days Gone coming out this spring mm-hmm. uh, here in the next couple of months, which is a weird title to pick, but. Also one that's not like a pillar title for them. Uh, and one that might uh, do well on PC. I, we could definitely see. I think it already has Steam pages up. So uh, Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, going on I personally didn't, didn't care for Days Gone, but I do think that's a, a game that definitely lends itself well to PC because, you know, for, for all its problems, it was definitely a good-looking game. And uh, there were some slowdown issues in regards to... Um, the sequence isn't a game that had lots of zombies follow you around, and that wouldn't happen yeah. with, with PC. So, and they put out an update to allow it to run at better frame rates for the PS5 or uh, on PS5. So, mm-hmm. there are definitely some good ways of experiencing that game. And I think it has all the stuff you'd expect: 4K, 60 support, uh, widescreen, or the the super widescreen monitor support, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be happening here in the next couple of months. Uh, let's see. Destruction All-Stars. Uh, the team put up a post on the PlayStation blog saying like uh, some of the stuff they're working on here for the next couple of months, like double XP weekends, uh, challenge series coming to it, featured playlists, new skins, all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But also mentioned there that uh, when the game is done being on PS Plus, I think on April 6th, it'll mm-hmm. be... Uh, $20 when it releases mm. for MSRP, uh, which is a pretty good price for that game. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's uh, definitely some interesting stuff in this article. I think they mentioned that the, the two currencies they have, uh, the all-star coins, which is the paid currency, and destruction points, which is the uh, the currency you earn. I think they mentioned there are going to be ways of earning the all-star coins in the game uh, mm-hmm. without paying for them. So... From seventy bucks to free to twenty bucks. Feel sorry for whoever actually wanted to pay full price for that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can uh if you somehow haven't grabbed it on PlayStation Plus, so you'll need it even when it leaves, but mm. uh grab it now while you can on PlayStation Plus. Not to mm. pay any further money for it. Uh, and speaking of not paying money for games, Sony announced that they're returning to their play at home initiative that they did last year. Uh, this mm-hmm. time it's going to be for four months, starting here uh, tomorrow on March 1st, mm-hmm. uh, going through June, 
uh, offering a game and uh, maybe some other stuff as a bonus uh, for their March 1st. It'll be Ratchet and Clank, PS4 version, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great game. Definitely grab that if you haven't checked it out yet. People are complaining about because it's on the, the PlayStation Plus collection on PS5, which it's like you can own it outright. Purchase it. You won't have to be on PS Plus to own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and alongside that, they are uh, offering for people that are fans of anime. Uh, if mm-hmm. you don't know, they own Funimation and uh, Crunchyroll now, and they're yeah. making leverage of this to offer an extended uh, like free trial for Funimation. I think they say the usual one is 14 days, mm-hmm. and they're going to offer an extended 90-day trial yeah. for it uh, starting March 25th. Yeah. Uh, from what I have seen from people that are used to these services, like Funimation is more of a dub service, uh, while Crunchyroll is more sub focused. Yeah. Uh, to as far as the dub versus sub debate. So mm-hmm. if you're more into people speaking English in those animes, uh, mm-hmm. you can check this service out and you have 90 days to watch all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. I guess GT, if you have time for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I got a f- few episodes in before i gave up on it last time i tried mm-hmm. uh but yeah it seems like let's see oh yeah in germany and china or no never mind i have something else on here but yeah that's uh exciting i'm curious to see what the the next few months have i already have ratchet and clank so it doesn't really benefit me but uh people who haven't checked it out definitely should mm-hmm. uh, it's a great game you'll be getting uh, ready yeah. for the for the new one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't technically tie into it. But uh Sony also announced that there is a next gen of VR coming to PlayStation. Yep. Uh, no official name for it yet, but we'll just call it PSVR 2 yeah. just for shorthand. But uh they just posted an article, no images or anything. Uh mm-hmm. they say it's definitely not available this year. Uh they're still like in early stages of finalizing things, but talking about uh, a number of features, mm-hmm. they're saying that let's see what, yeah, that uh, an next gen VR system enhances everything from resolution to field of view to tracking and input. Mm-hmm. We'll connect to PS5 with a single core to simplify setup and improve ease of use while enabling enabling a high fidelity visual experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the innovations. Uh, we're excited about is our new VR controller. We'll incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense wireless controller, along mm-hmm. with the focus on greater ergonomics. That's just one of the examples of future-proof technology we're developing to match our vision of a whole new generation of VR games and experiences. Still a lot of development underway for our new VR system, so it won't be launching in 2021, but we want to provide this early update to our fans. Mm-hmm. As the development community has started to work on creating new worlds for you to explore in virtual reality. So I think they announced this kind of because dev kits were going out. They didn't want uh, speculation and rumors and all that to get out of control mm-hmm. for this. And so, yeah, you Dang. can continue to use the the PSV, uh, PSVR for PS4 on PS5. Uh, so I have games coming out. Uh, yeah, Sniper Elite VR is mm-hmm. coming to this system, so that's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm curious to see what the new controller looks like because the... The move was a serviceable uh, shorthand for that stuff. It worked fine enough uh, for making that whole experience a bit cheaper 
mm-hmm. uh, to, especially if you already had them, uh, to mm-hmm. get into it. Uh, but yeah, the PC stuff with Quest and uh, Vive and Index and all that stuff has definitely lapped it in terms of tech. So I'm excited to see what the the new PSVR looks like and all the features it has. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. so let's get to the state of play. We got two events here: state of play and Pokemon Presents, providing yeah. a look at a number of games. Uh, a few that are new, uh, most that have already been known to exist. So let's get to state of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, they debuted. Uh, the PS5 version of Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. It has all the stuff you expect, uh, dual sense support. Mm-hmm. It looks a bit better, runs a bit better, all that kind of stuff. It is a free upgrade. Mm-hmm. So if you already own it, uh, you're good to go. Uh, no need to pay further uh, money for it. So that's great news for PS5 and Xbox Series X and S owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be out March 12th. That's kind of a, a thing with this event was just we'll let each developer like have like a few minutes to talk about their game pretty much like one or two i think one or two just had normal trailers but uh, as returnal which had a nice gameplay trailer to show off what it was Mm -hmm. uh looks really nice and definitely gives me alienation vibes Mm -hmm. uh which was one of their previous games they put out on ps4 uh they talked a bit about the the way the the maps change between runs, all that kind of stuff, and the mm-hmm. the way the you kind of build up on the story stuff mm-hmm. uh, between runs, and gave a hint at some of the stuff that's going on, like this yeah. weird house that seems to be what the main character used to live in back on mm-hmm. Earth or whatever, I assume, uh, as part of the the horror parts of this game. So mm-hmm. I assume we'll see more of that as we get to launch on April thirtieth. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a game that I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to previews to because, you know, mm-hmm. I can say it's up my alley, but if it's if it's one that's too hard, I'll I'll definitely stray away from it. But yeah, I I do want to see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and have one here that's returning from the direct Knockout City. Uh, this time around, they showed off the different modes and a little bit more about how it works, mm-hmm. uh, which actually made a big difference for me compared to the direct, where it's just like, this is a weird looking thing. What the hell's going on? Especially with the mm-hmm conceit of like all these characters from like other games complaining about not getting their own game or whatever i don't know but yeah they talked about the different modes there's like a 3v3 modes your basic one there's some that are more like deathmatchy uh that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, ended by talking about how they have a crossplay beta going on from april 2nd to the 4th you go on to knockoutcity.com uh to sign up for it uh, it seems like it'll be 20 bucks when it launches on May 21st. And yeah, with some enhancements for the new consoles, if you got that, but it'll be out PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. So pretty much everybody, every console out there can check it out. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Like, I, I don't know if it's actually just dodgeball on Overwatch maps, but, you know, it, it looks interesting. I don't know if I'll dive in, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one here was a new announcement uh, of a game from Slowcap Studios, and immediately I realized this was the from the studio that made Absolver, mm-hmm. uh, which was a uh, melee-focused Dark Souls kind of game, uh, where you're kind of going around fighting dudes, but kind of in like a uh, 
a karate kind of style. Uh, and this is very much leaning heavily on the like the kung fu stuff as uh, mm-hmm. from what I saw the reaction people were like oh this is just like scenes from the raid and other uh, kung fu movies that have come out over the past uh, few years and kind of providing more of a cinematic uh, bent to that stuff which is kind of cool to see uh, that has no date yet it's just later this year uh, called yeah, Sifu. Sifu was uh, Sifu was definitely one of my favorites out of the presentation. Can't wait for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you want to check out what to expect out of the game, Absolver will be a good uh, hint mm-hmm. to that. Hmm. That one has multiplayer to it. You can run into mm-hmm. other people and fight them, but this one I think is supposed to be just single player focused. Okay, so you don't have to worry about other people. Uh, following that up was Solar Ash the new game from the team that did Hyperlight Drifter. Mm-hmm. And this looked really good. Mm. Uh, that is uh, kind of an action game uh, with plenty of like uh, platforming and all that kind of stuff to it. Uh, kind of made a little bit of the pathless in terms of uh, kind of getting around the environment pretty fast. Yeah, uh, it's stylistically, the, it reminded me of the pathless with some Sonic Adventure 2 thrown in. So this one looks awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks really nice. Uh, that's also out later this year. Uh, and like Seafood, this is PS5, PS4, PC. It's common for, I think, most of the rest of these games. Yeah. Uh, they showed Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach, showed actual gameplay for that. And so if you know the original games, you're just sitting in a control room, uh, twiddling with uh, the various controls to shut off uh, access points and all this kind of stuff to keep them out of your room. Uh, and this time around, it's a first-person horror game where you're exploring this, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like a resort theme park kind of thing, indoor thing, uh, and they're just roaming around. Uh, so that's completely fucked. Yep, I no thanks. This. I have no interest in this one at all. <laughs> yeah, so that is out later this year, no date. Uh, but yeah. Got to see some gameplay. Then there's Oddworld Soulstorm, the new mm-hmm. Oddworld game. Orlando yeah. came on to talk about all the new things. Call this a 2.9D game mm-hmm. instead of 2.5D because there's a little bit of depth in there, I guess. Which, sure, it's not like 2.5D mm-hmm. games don't have that either, but uh, it seems a bit more involved than your, your average Oddworld game. There's a lot of like collecting resources from enemies you've killed uh, mm-hmm. to craft stuff craft new gadgets and all that kind of stuff. And they said there's like a thousand of the, the dudes to save, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. And they're also part of the puzzle solving instead of just being dudes, you just rescue and have them follow you. Yeah. Uh, so you can use them to hit, you know, switches or everybody's hiding in, you know, lockers as the dudes going around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it seems like very much like uh, old odd world on, uh, on steroids. Yeah, the Oddworld series is one that's never really spoken to me, but as we see more and more of this game, and we've seen a lot of it, um, yeah. it, def- it definitely does seem interesting. Not interesting mm-hmm. enough for me to want to, you know, pay pay to play one, but with the April uh, PS Plus, I might give it a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, announced that it's going to be out April sixth, and it'll be one of the PS Plus games for that month. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm a uh, I'm an old school Oddworld fan from back in the day, and I'm honestly just glad that Oddworld inhabitants were able to come back and start making games again. Um, the Oddworld license and universe in general is a really is a really well designed and like it's got great world building, and the fact that they've been able to um, more or less bring it back. Um, and sort of restart interest in this franchise is just fantastic. And I'm honestly, I'm glad they were able to do this because there was a there was a short amount of time when Oddworld looked like they really were about to disappear down into the black hole of history. Um, after um, Oddworld, I think it was Strangers Wrath came out, which was like. Pretty much was gonna was what they claimed was gonna be their last video game before they went fully into uh, film production, um, and they ended up working on a couple of film projects that never really came out. Yeah, it felt kind of bad. I felt bad because you know they have a really interesting universe and really interesting character design, and when they come about to try and create do like unique new things for game design, they usually pull it off. Um, so I'm just glad that this franchise is a thing again. Yeah. It's a shame that Lord Lanning's still there. Cause he's. Yeah. Lord Lanning is still there. Um, he's there. Uh, he's the guy who introduced it and yeah, yeah he's had, he's had issues. He's still, he's what a libertarian has issues. Uh, no, he's actually, he's a fairly, like heart, he's like the whole odd world. Like its whole message is environmentalism, and like yeah. the their whole their regular like the villains are themselves the evil corporation. Yeah. So I know the game is more liberal, anti-capitalism kind of thing, but Lauren Landing is not really of that mindset, which is wild. Yeah, because uh, I think. People have noticed that he occasionally likes some very shady shit on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Stuff that would not be great. Uh, those mm-hmm. are his actual opinions. So yeah. he knows. It was kind of wild that kind of person uh, leads a team that makes a game that's anti-capitalism. Mm. Like this. Uh, well, let's get to the next game here. Kena Bridge of Spirits uh, was originally going to be like a late, I think late last year game uh, coming out mm-hmm. in December probably. Uh, we got pushed this year, and we got a nice trailer showing off the some gameplay, story stuff, all that, uh, and announced that it's going to be out August 24th, PS5, PS4, and PC. Yeah, Kino looks absolutely amazing. This was mm-hmm. at the top of my list from the um, from the PS5 reveal uh, yeah. uh, last year, and now that we've seen more of it, Oh my god, this is definitely at the top of my list this year. I I, I simply mm-hmm. cannot wait for this game. It, it looks like, you know, um, Pixar, Breath of the Wild, and Horizon had some very irresponsible sex, and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they announced, uh, let's see, it'll be out with a standard edition for 40 bucks, digital mm-hmm. deluxe for 50 uh, and you get the PS4 and PS5 versions of the game with both versions. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I'd also be remiss to mention that uh, they're uh, a majority uh, black development team too. So excited for this! Yeah, 
It seems like if you pre-order, you get some special hats for the whatever the little dudes. Or I don't yeah. know if Kina can wear. Yeah, she has like a little buddy that hangs out with her. Like she can give him like weird little celebration hats, what they call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like so, you know, uh, this, this trailer compared to the first trailer we saw is night and day. Like I, I, I can't believe that this is not like a Naughty Dog project or something. It's just, yeah, I'm, mm. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be out here uh, end of the summer. Then we got a new trailer for Deathloop, uh, which was mm. very much them doing a Bond trailer essentially. There's like a whole yeah, Bond theme much. kind of going through it. Uh, mm-hmm. They kind of show more gameplay about the the whole time loop here. Like the the whole thing is there's eight uh, like bosses you have to take out for a successful run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if any of them takes you out, you uh, have to start over. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're not as dynamic as you might expect, but uh, how you get to them, I guess, will be the the thing that changes. Uh, the nice thing they do here is uh, the art director put together a list of movies that are have themes and such that inspired the game. Yeah. Like Skyfall, uh, Point Blank from 1967, The Wicker Man from 1973, uh, Under the Volcano, mm-hmm. Escape from New York, The Warriors, and The Thing. Mm-hmm. Which is a heck of a list there. Yeah, and you definitely see elements from all of those in it. I mean, like, this game is definitely not in my wheelhouse, or nor am I even remotely interested in it. But out of all the trailers we've seen, and we've seen a lot, like, it's always looked different every single time. And that's what mm-hmm. actually has, has me interested. Granted, this is also a Bethesda game, so they're normally buggy as fuck when they first come out. But uh, Yeah, the, the arcane stuff tends to be a bit better hmm. with the uh, Dishonored games and Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this shouldn't be too bad, but that'll be out May 21st. Uh, PS5 and PC. And mm-hmm. yeah, then they ended it with uh, the banger Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which has mm-hmm. a new episode featuring Yuffie. Because I guess yeah. she's not in the game at all. Well, in the original Final Fantasy game, uh, Yuffie and Vincent were both actually completely optional characters. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually like so when I first played FF7, it was in college, and I was really only playing it to get ready for uh, my review of Crisis Core. And I actually came across both Yuffie and Vincent accidentally. Yeah. Um, so for um, FF7 remake, um, the game isn't, or the the story isn't actually anywhere near to where Yuffie even comes out. So mm-hmm. that's why this is actually pretty surprising. Like. We don't know if this is something that's happening in the middle of what's happening in FF7 Remake or if it happens a little bit after. And that's really what makes this interesting because, again, like she, like as far as the actual timeline goes, we're nowhere near her yet. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm interested to see where it goes. The weird way they introduce her is like, oh, Cloud fell off of a, of a ledge. And uh, here's, well, who cares? Here's Yuffie. Yeah, in the original game, you actually run into her by um, going through a very specific portion of trees in the world map. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they showed this off of her with two other guys that I have no clue uh, who they are. They just look like generic dudes, essentially. It looks uh, like they actually delve into the, uh, or what are they called, Brandon? Uh, Wutai? Yeah, Wutai. Yeah. 
yeah so it, it delves more into like where those ninjas came from as as well yeah. as like the the war they had with shinra in the first place so that's where their common goals are with cloud and things yeah. like that but yeah um, I'm she comes how, in how with like a, a moogle suit on uh she's like falling off of a ledge herself yeah because uh, mm-hmm. for being a something of a ninja she's very clumsy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's really comic relief for the most part yeah and that definitely comes out in this uh but then they showed that off and then showed off the the game itself on ps5 in a very weird and japanese way of showing like footage just constant constant footage of like oh here's the ps5 version and here's the ps4 version on the same screen and it kind of swoops over to show you how much better the ps5 version looks you can generally see it most of them uh more more in the lighting sense uh than some of the other areas mm-hmm. where they're like here's graphics here's textures here's lighting here's smoke yeah uh, like, like i don't really i don't really have i don't really have much of an eye for this kind of stuff so it's stuff that i yeah. that was mostly trivial to me but the one thing i did notice was like um the ray tracing as well as the the graphics with the fog so yeah but again, that doesn't really add much for me. But yeah, yeah the the load times were huge, so that's that's going to be interesting. But I'm, I don't plan on going back to it because we don't have to. So yeah, they were basically saying it's like thirty seconds in the original game, and it's like three or four here, mm-hmm. so you'll be able to load in a lot faster. Uh, and then mention that's you know if you own it on PS4, uh, it'll be a free mm-hmm. upgrade. Uh, but you're not going to get the Yuffie content. It'll be an extra, I think, $10 upgrade. I don't think they've officially said the price yet, but the game being 60 on PS4 and 70 on PS5 to include that extra content, I assume it's going to be a $10 upgrade. And uh, you you cannot use your uh, PS Plus FF7 for next month. It has to be something you actually bought. Yeah, the PS Plus version does not let you upgrade. Uh, because Square Enix wants all that money, and people that do not own the game yet are just going to buy it when it's on sale anyway. Mm-hmm. It's surprising that it was free in the first place. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, people won those upgrades, has, and Square's not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, but you can carry your save over, so if you just want to continue on, or do New Game Plus, or whatever, uh, you can do that to check out the Yuffie stuff. And... Uh, yeah, it seems like if you pre-order the PS5 version, you get, let's see, Yuffie's weapon, Kekstar, mm-hmm. which can be used in her new uh, the giant, episode. The giant she has. Yeah. Uh, the digital lux version of the new game also will be available, including a digital art book, digital mini soundtrack, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You can pre-order that stuff now if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it for the state of play. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean, I thought it was good as a whole. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really a big fan of their current format of giving each game like you know, you know, five minutes to talk about whatever. Especially when you have a game like uh, Sifu, which I thought deserved more time. But you know, um, it is what it is. Uh, it it is weird though. Like, um, it was rumored that they'd have FF7 remake integrated, like maybe an hour or so before the presentation started. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering how these actually get leaked in the first place. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm glad I saw it. Uh, Square Enix made all the right moves as far as like you know keeping their players happy by making it a free upgrade for those that already have it, and a lot of people do already have it, so that's cool. Like the only yeah. people who are really like mad about anything are people who don't have a PS5, and yeah, you know we, we know it sucks. But 
Um, aside from that, this was a pretty cool presentation and easily the best one that uh, Sony has done since they've started these. Uh, granted, yeah. there, there, there aren't a whole lot of good ones in the first place, but they're, they're headed to, uh, down the right path. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole point of this was most of these were games they had talked about uh, previously as far as PS5 stuff. Uh, yeah. And so they kind of wanted to give more information on them because they're starting to come out here yep. in the next few months uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. So why not make that the, the whole presentation? And that's why a lot of them are talky bits. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of uh, how it seemed to come out for me. So I would say mm-hmm. this definitely had a higher hit percentage for me versus the direct last week. Oh, no, mm-hmm. by far. That was just yeah, kind of that was just kind of like, here's uh, some new stuff. And here's a dozen uh, plus, you know, ports that are coming to the Switch, as is always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, after we talk about the Pokemon stuff, I'm going to go ahead and talk about what Nintendo could have done better. But, you know, as for what Sony had as a whole, like, I don't think you uh, really needed to spend spend the seven minutes you spent on Crash Bandicoot 4. But aside from that, these were all announcements for games that, you know, we we, we knew about. And you know the, the the few surprises they had, like Sifu and Solar Ash, were were awesome to see. So um, there's a, a lot of re- good reasons to be excited if you're a, a PlayStation fan. Um, then again, I I do wish there were more uh, real exclusive PS5 titles at this point in time, but you know it mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah, I think that's all just the the lack of you know chips to be able to produce as much as they'd want out of these <laughs> PS5s and. Uh, COVID delaying production yep. on a lot of these games just mm-hmm. coming to a head of, well, here's here's a bunch of stuff we can announce uh, we can talk about uh, a little bit more. Uh, and that's kind of what a lot was mm-hmm. going on with the Direct. It was like, here's a lot of cheaper ports that are easier to get out uh, in a faster way than just brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. What do you think, Brandon? What was your thoughts on the whole thing? Uh... Other than one or two examples, I found it fairly underwhelming. Yeah. Um, More so because you don't have a PS5 yet? Yeah, you know, which I I would like to, you know. (laughs) I I have the money, and I'm more than willing to buy one, Sony. You know? I'm sure they would like to sell you one, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, your only way of getting one right now is to follow those weird Twitter accounts that We'll just retweet a bunch of nonsense into your feed. Yeah. As people are getting uh, the small drops of consoles to the various sites. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, um, obviously Kina definitely looks impressive. And uh, Returnal also looks pretty neat. Um, and Five Night at Freddy's Security Breach, I am glad that that, uh, that franchise is kind of branching out now. Um, yeah. And uh, there's actual money being put into it instead of being yeah. very cheap games like the original ones were. Yeah, made by one dude. Um, yeah. Which is cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, it, was, it was okay. Yeah. Well, when you get a fi- PS5, you'll have a little bit more PS uh, or Final Fantasy VII stuff to play. Hmm. So uh, let's get to the Pokemon Presents. Uh, Three major things shown here. Uh, One, they showed more of Pokemon Snap, which is out here April 30th. Mm -hmm. 
kind of just showed that you know there's a bit more going on to it in the than the original. Just you're able to like have some more stuff to get the kind of reactions out of Pokemon you want or find mm-hmm. the secrets and all that kind of stuff. It also has like a photo mode, so you'll be able to edit photos and put fancy frames and stickers on them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I guess you can upload to uh, their servers and they'll have the best ones get surfaced out to people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, yeah, not really too much there. I'm still not sure how that's going to be worth the $60 mm-hmm. uh, for what is there, but I still got time to talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, plenty of people have been clamoring for Pokemon Snap for years, so I'm pretty sure Nintendo yeah. knows what she was selling it. Yeah. Um, as um, far as as far as like what I'm seeing out of it, um, I am impressed with the the, the visual fidelity they they're going here with with here because um, again, you know, we're we're in the HD era and it's really cool seeing all these Pokemon um, in in different kinds of habitats rather than the same RPG that we've been playing for the last 25 years. Um, and it is it is really cool that they're adding like a little bit of a lore here in regards mm-hmm. to uh, what's it called the the lentil region or what whatever they want to call it. Um, yeah. So it it does seem to have a little bit of a story and more of a purpose. Um, the, the the social interaction in regards to like taking the best photo and like having it featured on the various websites does seem pretty cool. And yeah, um, yeah like as a whole, this this looks good. Um, I don't know if people really care about you know what I want from it, but I do wish Nintendo talked about like. Um, how many different variations of Pokemon are in the game, or how many levels there are? Because it, it did seem that they, uh, um, they're, they're they're always showing the same levels, which which makes sense because you know you want to show what's already done. But at the same time, um, the original Pokemon Snap only had like four or five levels to begin with, and yeah. that really made it a perfect rental. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm yeah, someone that, of, that, that 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 didn't spend fifty bucks in the original game. And, well, part of the, you know, part of one of the things you kind of also have to remember about the original Pokemon Snap is that it was the first Pokemon game where you could actually see the Pokemon in full three D. Yep. Um, which was kind of also part of the game's appeal when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, the fact that. Uh, in spite of the fact that there were only like five levels to do, uh, be, because of the way you could interact with them, it also ended up being kind of unpredictable. Um, because all the various Pokemon would react differently to, you know, things that you would do if you would like throw treats at them or, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, considering it now has like an online component and stuff, yeah, this is this is gonna sell like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is definitely one of those titles that um, Nintendo is gonna have like break social media. I mean, like you know, when when the Switch first came out and people were playing Breath of the Wild, like everyone had videos and like screenshots of them killing their first uh, uh, what's it called Lionel and things like that. And then obviously, you all know how viral Animal Crossing got. Uh, mm-hmm. Pokemon Snap is very easily going to do the same thing, so yeah, um, yeah, that'll that, that'll be interesting. But yeah, like you said, like even though there weren't that many levels in the original game, everything you did had some sort of impact on the world around you as well as the Pokemon there. And mm-hmm. you know, there, um, they're, they're, this is pretty much an on rails shooter without without any killing in it. And mm-hmm. it, it is interesting to see like how uh, the different kind of Pokemon react and whatnot. Like we all know that there's more than 150 Pokemon now, and we all know that. Um, you know, you'll be able to have um, 
however much much film you have to uh, take the shots you do want to take. So um, this is definitely a game that um, it makes me wish that Nintendo had an achievement system because this looks like a fun one to 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be filling out your, what do you call it, photo decks in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that'll be that, getting all the, probably the highest ranking photos you can. It seems like yeah, they have four stars to get for each photo mm-hmm. uh, based on how well you do it. Uh, I'm sure Professor Mirror, Mirror will be as much of an asshole as uh, Professor Oak was in the original. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for forcing kids to do all this mm-hmm. photography work for him. All right. No yeah. one liked Todd anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get to another game that was announced. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl. Uh, mm-hmm. Developed by Ilka, who did the did one of the other Pokemon games. I forget which one, but uh, this is a remake of the original Diamond and Pearl, which are what, the DS games? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. they will be having that out later this year. Uh, it'll be on 3D. It's a remake uh, visually. Mm-hmm. But still yeah. has the same all starters and Pokemon in it mm-hmm. uh, in the Sinnoh region, uh, which become important for the next game. Uh, I'm not sure what all the new stuff they have here for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll pretty much be in the same vein as Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Um, there mm-hmm. probably isn't going to be that much new aside from the fact that oh, it's on Switch now and you can you can play it in 3D. Um, like from, 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 the tra- for <laughs> from the trailer alone, uh, it seems that the, the, the visual style they've chosen is uh, uh, kind of controversial. Like I'm seeing a lot of people hate it. I'm seeing a lot of people love it. Uh, well, guess what? That's Nintendo. That's what, that, that, that's what they do. That's um, Pokemon I am, fans. Yeah, yeah, that's Pokemon in general. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm one, of the, one of the folks that actually likes it. I do like the new chibi art style. You know, it, it gives it a certain uh, level of charm, similar to what we saw with um, Link's Awakening on the switch. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, diamond and pearl is definitely something I'm, uh, more sentimental for, uh, for, because this was a game that I played my senior year of college or not college of, of, of high school. And like, this, this was the game that we were playing in the back of science class and not paying attention. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and what, what really set this game apart for me was the fact that, um, well, one, it was better than Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby and Sapphire was by far my least favorite, and uh, mm-hmm. this one, for the mo- for the most part, had a Pokemon lineup that was completely new uh, from the get go. Like I, th- I believe there were only 151 uh, uh, Pokemon from the Sinnoh region available at first, and then after you beat the game, you eventually uh, unlock the National Dex, which gives you uh, all the Pokemon available at, at your disposal. And that really set it apart for me. And like Diamond and Pearl was like the last one before, in my opinion, the the Pokemon got a little crazy as far as the designs go. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, again, like 60 bucks. Yeah, it, it's, it, it sucks, but that's, that's what Nintendo's going to sell it for. And they're going to sell a lot and people are going to buy both. So yeah. 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 Um, uh, I do. I, I do want to mention though, that the Sinnoh region is probably one of my favorites just because of um, the fact that there's a lot of lore behind it. Like you, you, you go to every city and every city feels like um, there was more to it um, than ever before. And the last time I really experienced that with a Pokemon game was with the gold and silver. Because when they talk about the stories with the two legendary birds and the side quests you had to go on them to, uh, in, in order in order to unlock them, uh, it really like gave you a, an appreciation for the setting. 
And with Diamond and Pearl, that's there throughout the entire game. And um, even more so because this next game we talk about is Incineo as well. So Yeah. 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 I remember playing Red and Blue and be like, oh, you're going to town. It's got four buildings. What the fuck is this a town? <laughs> like yeah. The starter area is like, wait, how how is this a town? Yeah, Ooh. Palatown Professor is literally Oak. your house, Gary's house, and the and the the lab. So and Professor Oak's place. It's like what? This is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was also Game Boy games where yeah they're making their first game. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, this uh this announcement was significant because the they announced afterwards Pokemon mm-hmm. Legends Arceus. Arceus. I don't know how to pronounce the. It's it, it's mm-hmm. it's Arceus. Uh, I've actually. Okay. Or, I mean, everybody has been calling him Arceus for the longest time, but uh, mm-hmm. the presenter said Arceus, so I guess that's okay. canon now. Okay, so yeah, this is the the new game. It's it's not two games, teams, uh, mm. and it's I guess even more open world than Sword and Shield, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you have to tell me if there's anything more than this. But seem that the big new thing is that you don't necessarily have to go into battle to catch Pokemon, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the more basic ones. I could see them. The, uh, the higher level ones being tougher to get. Uh, but it seems like you can kind of sneak around and just fucking throw balls at uh, Pokemon. Mm. And I'd be curious to see if that's if you're like losing your inventory of Pokeballs if you miss. Or mm. if you can just lock <laughs> on. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That was kind of neat though. Let's Go kind of had that where you just you did the Pokemon Go style of catching Pokemon. Not really mm-hmm. a battle. This seems a bit more, a bit more natural. And uh, from what people have been showing, as far as uh, comparisons, like the trailer, definitely borrows a lot of uh, stylistic choices from the Breath of the Wild trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the music, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this announcement uh, caught everyone off guard. Uh, oh, I was yeah. actually doing, I was doing a live reaction with my friend on Facebook with this, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not the kind of person that loses my shit watching a thing, but I will definitely show some excitement. And I showed more excitement during this presentation than I have in years in recent memory. So, yeah, like, uh, an open-world Pokemon is something that um, a lot of people have clamored for over the years, especially, you know, um, having Breath of the Wild be as successful as it was. We could only wonder what a Pokemon would be like. And it seems like, wow, they've, they've finally gotten here with it sword and shield uh did have the the wild area but Mm -hmm. it wasn't really an emphasis in the game it was still the same pokemon game with the same uh with the same stylistic choices in in order to have have its game flow but this one we honestly don't know what's going to happen like first of all it's called pokemon legends arceus so which that means Mm -hmm. arceus is going to have a central part to the story and pokemon stories have never been good they've always been about going through the eight gyms and beating the pokemon league and being the best it ever was yeah, Pokemon Legends, so that you can put yourself into it. Exactly, Pokemon mm-hmm. Legends doesn't seem to be about that. It seems it, it seems like there's a whole lot more to it here, and um, yeah, they they even went on to actually say that this is this is an action RPG through and through. I don't know what kind of battle system it, it'll have because, like you said, like you can go ahead and throw balls willy nilly, but at the same time, there was some footage of uh, the same uh, four attack uh, battle system that we've seen in, in every Pokemon previous to this. Yeah, the way they so, describe it here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, to catch wild Pokemon, players can study the Pokemon's behaviors, sneak up on them, and then throw Pokeballs. Players can also battle wild Pokemon with their ally Pokemon. By throwing the Pokeball, holding their ally Pokemon near a wild Pokemon, players will seamlessly enter battle. 
Uh, this new gameplay angle is intended to provide trainers with an immersive experience. Which is kind of yeah. weird. It's 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 weird and it's different. I mean, like again, like this is something that fans have been clamoring for for years, and we were wondering how they'd actually do it if they actually did do it. So now yeah. they are, and it's interesting that they've made the choice of going back to the past. And in my opinion, that's a brilliant choice because, um, as we all know, like Pokemon has a whole lot of lore, but we don't really know about the more the more historical stuff. And this yeah. definitely addresses that. And at the same time, it does it in such a way where we're not familiar with what's really going to happen or what this game is even about. Like, I think what they said was this game is really about uh, creating like the first Pokedex ever. So maybe like yeah. you'll eventually meet like a super I'll young take it around the Oklahoma problem of the the complaining about the decks. <laughs> just say there's none. Cause it's hundreds of years early. Somehow they still have Pokeballs. Yeah. And like then that. they even chose uh, three starters from um, various versions of the game. And, you know, you have Rowlet, Oshawott and uh, what's his name? Cyndaquil. So, yeah, um, this this one is different, and just and the fact that it's different is what really has me interested here. Interested yeah. here. Um, I I really hope that this doesn't end up being like a mystery dungeon kind of thing. I hope this eventually becomes its own mainline uh, Pokemon series down the line. But I'm excited, yeah. and the crazy thing is, it, they said early 2022, which means it's well into development now. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. and it definitely still looks rough from some of these screenshots, which Breath of the Wild was really rough. Mm-hmm. Still kind of is, so people want to complain. So yeah. you got your open world game, but it's obviously uh, people will have will have their conjecture about whether or not this will uh, come with the launch of a new Switch. And you yeah. know, um, I'm 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 someone that's uh, in the market for a new Switch, especially with the way mine buzzes nowadays. But at the yeah. same time, like Nintendo can't even put regular Switches on the shelves without without them being gone. So I doubt like a really upgraded one will be will be coming anytime soon. But yeah. as we all know, with with, with big um, with big tentpole games, they normally release special editions for these kinds of things. So we'll see. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm 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 totally excited. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of wild breaking out of the two game system for this. Mm-hmm. They've even done that for like the spinoffs, like the mystery dungeon stuff, mm-hmm. uh, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff they've been putting out. It's like, oh, there's two versions. Why? Shut up. Give us the money. Uh, so this time around they have just one game I assume because it's probably easier on them to not have to make somehow two mm-hmm. different versions of this uh, and I'll be curious to see how this turns out because like them making this long before the events of the mm-hmm. of the Diamond and Pearl games which is like okay so are those games like way in the future like how do you what are Pokeballs how do those get made like that's where I'm coming from. It's like you're gonna get like a bike that you can get around easily, like you did in Sword and Shield. They're gonna be those kind of quality of life stuff. Though they also mentioned you can ride Pokemon, so you could probably just get one of the bigger flying Pokemon or whatever and just fly around or ride around on them. I guess it's funny as the series has progressed. Like I used the bike less and less. I mean, Gold and Silver gave you the ability to run, and that's really all I needed. I mean, I was yeah. never in a huge rush or anything, so... Well, I think it's Sword yeah. Shield, it could essentially, like, pop out floaties so you could go over the water, mm-hmm. uh, get around lakes and... Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was pretty cool. Pretty fast. Instead of having to walk all the way around like an idiot, mm-hmm. like you had to in the old games. So this could be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea when it's going to happen. But, like, in this announcement on the Nintendo site, they're like, oh, here's all, all, all these Pokemon. I'm like, people don't already fucking know these things. <laughs> there aren't wikis dedicated to this stuff. Yep. Like, oh, somehow I'm 
excited about this game, but I don't know what a Cyndaquil is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a th- it's a Pokemon where its ass explodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that could be neat. Let's see more of it. See how it turns out. But yeah, the the Pokemon presence uh, presents um, presentation as a whole was like fantastic in my opinion. And like as we've seen in the past, like these are normally either huge bangers or huge disappointments. I remember like the one there was one a year or two ago where it happened like in front of a panel, like a game show, and it was just awkward the entire time. Whereas this, it was like three games, a few mobile games, and that was it. Uh, that was how they spent their twenty minutes. And I thought it was an interesting decision because you know um, yesterday was Pokemon's. 25th anniversary, um, a lot of the sentimentality about that. And on Jester Games, I thought we'd hear about maybe uh, Pokemon cards, because those are yeah. extremely popular again. You can't find them in stores anymore. Um, I thought they'd also talk about maybe a Pokemon corner in Super Nintendo World, or something along those lines. Like, anything anything more. But no, the fact that they, they talked about these three games, in my opinion, was uh, rather impressive. And, like, we didn't even get, like, you know, Pokemon Sleep or that or that teeth-brushing game. So I was like, where, 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 did, where did all these go? Um, and yeah, again, it's Pokemon's 25th anniversary, so I thought they'd pretty much uh, uh, go hard with all that. But they did have a, a short um, compilation at the very beginning, uh, talking about like basically everything that's ever come out. So I thought that was that was well done. So I mean, the, the reason why I'm I'm really focusing on these um, three games is because like I want to talk about uh, what happened last week with the Nintendo Direct. Like um, a, a lot of us were like, oh man, that Nintendo Direct wasn't really that good, but maybe the the Pokemon presents uh, next week will will be even better, and you know what? It, it it actually was, but then again, there was no real guarantee that they'd actually do one. And when I look back at how you, you could have made last week's presentation mm-hmm. better, I think if they just had you know um, Mario Golf, No More Heroes, Splatoon three, and you know maybe that Famicom game, and just uh, made it ten to fifteen minutes rather than fifty minutes, and you know talking about the the the, the DC game and whatever it may be, it would have been. Uh, more widely appreciated uh, rather than the shit show we saw online last week. But again, it is what it is. And it, it, it kind of makes you wonder, like we all know Nintendo was weird and they, they, they marched to the beat of their own drum, but mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of these things have to be as long as they have to be or, or, or as long as they are. And Pokemon presents was just 20 minutes. They had three banger games and that was it. Everyone was happy. So I don't know. Is right. people pushing their expectations too high and expecting so much out of these things. And she's like, just sit down and see what happens and shut up. Yeah. Just enjoy mm. things, you know, yeah. <laughs> I guess what if there's, if it's not a hundred percent success for you, Oh, well there's hundreds of games coming out every month. It's, mm-hmm. it's not all going to be winners for you. And I'm mm. betting most of those people have stuff. they still want to play. Mm. that already came out. It's like, go ahead and play that. Mm. Calm down, people. It's it's a fucking pandemic. These games aren't coming out that fast. There's just so many people that mm-hmm. uh, makes it a lot easier to get uh, something out every once in a while that should interest most people. Yeah. So right. yeah, let's uh, let's end it there. We got uh, quite a lot of games uh, and news talked about. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate uh, as we start getting here into spring. Mm-hmm. We start warming up for most of us. Uh, so we'll see all of you back here next week. Uh, thank you to Brandon and Dan Red for joining me. And we'll see you guys again next time.